Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Thank you again, once again, for joining me today. Minnesota Vikings offense did not show up to play at all in the first half until the last few moments, and things changed very dramatically. Uh, Detroit, well, they just kind of were what they were, and they never got into the end zone. Minnesota Vikings defense showed up very nicely throughout the entire game for the most part, and we end up winning the football game 27-9, so a stark contrast a bit in the point differential from what I was predicting last week, but oof, it was a pretty ugly game. At the end of the day, though, 27-9, Minnesota, well, still in the hunt and would be in the playoffs if the season ended today. So, here we are, the famous last words, we control our own destiny. Yeah, we control our own destiny, but we still have to beat Chicago to ensure ourselves making the postseason because the Philadelphia Eagles did win today, and we will talk about that in the second semester. No, the second <laughs> second segment would sound better. They did win today, so Minnesota has to win the game. Um, there's still a possibility Philadelphia might lose to the Washington Redskins, but then again, <clears throat> I think Philadelphia is going to beat the Washington Redskins, and I don't know, you're starting to see a bit of that Nick Foles magic again, which just makes you feel so warm and fuzzy inside, doesn't it? Isn't that just a wonderful reminder of last year? Just wonderful. I love it so much. I don't. Uh, Matt Prater definitely deserves the Barry Sanders Award pretty much every year for the Detroit Lions, as good as Matthew Stafford is sometimes. Hasn't been a good year for him, but what do you expect? It's not a good mix of coaches. It's not a good system. It's not a good feeling in that organization right now. The Detroit Lions are an absolute mess. They're five and ten going into the off season at this stage. They're going to either be five and eleven or six and ten. Whatever it is, they're not going to do well. But uh, they're not going to finish well. But well, they'll have a fairly high draft pick. We'll see what happens. Do they go running game? Do they continue to beef up that offensive line? Do they go defense? Who knows? And I'm not going to say who cares because well, they're in our division. I do care. So I'm afraid if Detroit makes the right pick that you're going to see. Uh, an improved team next year, regardless if uh, Mr. Uh, Patricia is the coach or not. We'll see what happens for the old lumberjack if he ends up getting a second year in Detroit or if it's one and done, like some coaches have gone in the past. Uh, Matt Castle got to play a little bit today. Didn't get a whole lot of, uh, didn't really get to have a whole lot of fun out there. The Minnesota Vikings defense was pretty much locked down. It was pretty much outstanding. Uh, Delvin Cook, very solid again today. Latavius Murray, quiet. More of the two-yard cloud of dust type of game for him. It was more of a Cook type of game, and he survived both Detroit games without an injury, so that's good. It's just, you know, gosh, it just... You just get this weird feeling going into games against Detroit about the injuries and stuff, especially when it's, you know, particularly against the team you played against. That's why it's Detroit for Delvin Cook, but even with Robert Smith, he had injuries against Detroit, and Warren Moon got hit in the knee years ago against Detroit, and you got to see Sean Salisbury. How fun was that? <laughs> Rich Gannon reminds us about that, how he was benched for Sean Bleepin' Salisbury back in 92. You know what? I'm still bitter about that one because I think that was a huge mistake going into that playoff game against the Redskins. But let's talk about the current Vikings quarterback who also played for the Redskins because um, <laughs> Rich Gannon would play for the Redskins for an extended period. Kirk Cousins' numbers, excellent in the second half and in the final moments of the first half. But to start out the game, this offense was just god-awful. It was friggin' awful. I mean, we're talking like... You're talking like what? I don't even want to go there. I mean, we're talking basically nothing in the first four possessions. Three and outs, basically non-existent. Whatever it was, I mean, we're talking nothing. Nothing filled. Couldn't get a yard. Um, 
running on first down. It wasn't working. Passing was just, you know, inefficient, inaccurate. And then things all of a sudden started opening up. I mean, just one time before the Vikings finally got a scoring drive very late in the first half that the Vikings got a bit things going. They got a bit things promising, trying to get into field goal range, and then were pushed back with a couple of sacks there against Kirk Cousins. Just not a good feeling. The offensive line kind of not having their best first half anyway, but stepped up better in the second half. Kirk Cousins actually sensed a little bit of pressure, but she also saw more creativity from the offense. It had a DeFilippo look to it in the first half, the offense. I mean, it just there was just nothing there. It was ridiculous. It was horrible. But then you saw some of that play hacking. You saw some of that bootleg, which gave Cousins a little bit more, well, there a little more space at times. So he didn't get tackled, didn't get sacked for losses or forcing passes, whatever it was. Kirk Cousins seems to never want to throw the ball away. He either gets sacked or fumbles or something. But, well, Kirk Cousins, since I've said his name about 50 times, survived today without getting a single blue skin address or a single interception or, or fumble loss or anything like that. Hey, attaboy. Yeah, I mean, no blue, no blue screen of death and no, uh, you know, no turnovers for Kirk Cousins. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Well, it was against an inferior team, even though it was on the road, and a lot of times the Vikings struggle in Detroit. It looked like they were going to struggle in Detroit. They would continue to build their little lead, their 3 nothing, 6 nothing, 9 nothing lead in that first half, which was like, we're not going to win this game, are we? We're just going right back to this god-awful offense that just doesn't do anything. But luckily it changed. You got to see it in the final... Well, it was going to be the final drive of the first half, probably for the Vikings, you thought. You thought Detroit maybe would run the ball out. Maybe they'd even get a field goal just to piss us off some more. But it's just amazing how Detroit, how many opportunities Detroit actually did have to bust this game open, to make it 14 nothing, to make it 21 nothing, to make it 17 nothing, to make it whatever. You know, I mean, it could have been 17 nothing pretty easily. It could have been 12 nothing pretty easily. At least get one, you know, I don't even know what I'm saying. Going crazy. 13 nothing to get the math correctly. Uh, but still, I mean, it's Detroit. They weren't, they're just not the same team. Their offense hasn't been nearly as good. It's not as well run. Obviously, the whole field of the team, is just it's just not their year at all in any way, shape, or form. They're the worst team in the division this year by a mile, and it shows. Even though Green Bay has had some yucky moments, Detroit's worse. Believe me. Believe me, they're worse. <laughs> um, they had numerous opportunities to take a sizable lead two-score lead, a full two, full type of two-score lead, two-touchdown lead, maybe even a three-touchdown lead in the game, which Detroit would have done as recent as a year and a half ago, something like that. Detroit would have opened up this game and probably won convincingly, but luckily for us, it just didn't happen. The Vikings defense did show up to play. Very good game, generally speaking, for the Vikings defense. Mackenzie um, um, Alexander had multiple pass deflections. He was on his man very nicely throughout the game. He was beat very mildly here and there, but it's nothing anybody's going to get frustrated with. I'm really impressed with the improvements of McKenzie Alexander after a pretty yucky rookie year, a disappointing second year, and then now look at him. He's pretty good, so I'm, I've been happy with McKenzie Alexander thus far. Uh, most of this season and great improvements. He started out the year kind of yucky, and now you're starting to see something out of the guy. And uh, McKenzie Alexander, to me, clearly uh, belongs 
and he's been absolutely necessary to belong in this team for quite a while. You got to see Mr. Uh, Xavier Rhodes get banged up again, which is frustrating, but that kind of is what it is. The Vikings didn't get any sacks for the longest time, and then in the later stretches of the game, you got to see Kentrell Brothers get his first career sack. Eric Wilson got one a little earlier. Um, the guy that actually finally broke through was uh, Everson Griffin. That was nice to see. Generally speaking, uh, Anthony Barr did make the Pro Bowl this year again, which, uh, well, beginning of the year, you would have thought no way in hell, but he stepped up very nicely the last several weeks. And Anthony Barr, to me, looks like a Pro Bowl linebacker again, and that's great. He's going to have that as leverage going into the offseason for his contract uh, negotiations. We'll see what happens. A lot of people believe he will be on his way out because obviously he may have priced his way out of the Vikings at this stage, and not because he's too good for us, but because, well, we might be wanting to spend our money elsewhere, unfortunately. And, you know, Anthony Barr, well, maybe it's that old contract year thing, which often definitely plagues many, many Minnesota teams in the past. You give them tons and tons and tons of money, and things don't work out so great long-term. Eric Wilson, in relief of Kendrick, uh, Eric Kendricks, pardon me, who was out today with injury, um, did a wonderful job today. I mean, he wound up getting nine tackles total. He even added the sack as well. He did a hell of a job, I thought, throughout the game today. Very valuable. Beat a little bit, but not too bad. Ben Gideon also seeing many, many, many snaps, and he was a big factor with his eight tackles. But uh, Minnesota's defense, absolutely great. Uh, Matt Weil was pretty good as well. He had no touchbacks. He's gotten better and better. 48 puns, and boy, we needed him in that first half, and Detroit needed Sam Martin in the second half. We'll just leave that as is. Uh, Matt Weil at a 58-yarder. Really, really nice game for the special teams, I thought, at least for the kicking. Uh, Mr. Bailey made everything again, so he's on a little streak. He made all of his extra points, all three, and both of his field goals, which were not that far out. They're both chip shots, 24 and 29 yards, respectively, but he made them. He made them, and they were snapped correctly, and the holder was on the field at the right time, so let's keep that coming. Amir Abdullah, solid kick returning. That's good. Uh, Brandon Zilster got pegged really hard. <laughs> he was tackled before he even got a chance to catch the ball, which was stupid and helped us with a 15-yard gain uh, at the end of the day. That was helpful. On a punt where the Vikings stopped Detroit and gave the Vikings another chance. Uh, you got to see a little Aaron Rodgers play action. <laughs> play action. Aaron Rodgers uh, Hail Mary action at the end of the half after a very impressive drive by the Vikings and, of course, stopping Detroit nicely, and then again, them giving us a 15-yard penalty, which was helpful after it looked like the refs were on Detroit's side for the longest time in the first half or so. Very impressive drive that got the Vikings in the game, finally, on the scoreboard. It took forever. The very end of the half, you finally score a point against Detroit. Good Lord, that was frustrating, but a very, very nice drive. Adam Thielen left wide open, and that was helpful. Next thing you know, Stefan Diggs, uh, Stephon Diggs breaks free into the end zone. On the left, on the right side, pardon me, and that was a beauty. Looked too easy. It was wonderful, and that was on the left side, pardon me. It did look too easy, but it was great, and we'll take it any time, any place. Handled nicely. Stefan Diggs, interesting celebration, sitting next to a Viking fan in the stands, about eight, nine rows up. That was pretty cool and unexpected. It just kind of came out of nowhere, but that's these celebrations nowadays. You don't know what's on their mind, but well, it's cool. I mean, hey, it's fun. Something something to do. Took a little picture with her, too. Very, very, very quickly. Looks like that might have been kind of planned out. If he ends up scoring a touchdown, he would do that for her, and he did. So, pretty cool. Uh, nice to see him rewarding Viking fans that travel well like that. And that's because that couldn't have been a cheap seat, I'm telling you. So, uh, no, that's not too cheap at all. Um, good play there. 
looked like the Vikings were screwed. We're going to run out of time. You blow a timeout on a play that was unnecessary. I mean, just a passing play that went two yards didn't make any sense. To uh, It was just a dump off that didn't make any sense in the middle of the field with 29 seconds left. So you end up blowing one of your timeouts right away. Then you throw the pass to Kyle Rudolph in the middle of the field, and he ran all the way to the side. And he still didn't get out of bounds. and Or did he? It was just kind of like one of those back and forth type of play calls. Miraculously, they said he did. It was like barely. And he wasted so much time. And it was the dumbest thing you ever saw. Like, okay, go ahead and get tackled. Gain your 11, 12 yards. Get that first down that you need. And, you know, don't use up the damn time to run all the way to the sidelines. I mean, that was kind of strange. And that left us kind of thinking, well, that's great. I guess it's over. And then you get the Hail Mary pass. These never work. It'll get batted down. It'll get intercepted. It won't be anything. It won't mean anything. But at least we'll get the ball in the second half. And the momentum is definitely on our side from going from 9 nothing to 9-7, to seven, just like that, after a pretty solid drive. But no, it ends up being caught. For once, you finally get to see a Hail Mary completed. And it was indeed the guy who had just made a pretty dumb play. And all the fans loved him because he caught the ball. <laughs> Rudolph, the redhead, tight end, 44-yard end zone. Oh, I don't know, that was stupid. But <laughs> Rudolph, the redhead, tight end. I mean, it was appropriate as we're heading right into Christmas here, December the 23rd. How appropriate that a guy by the name of Rudolph, Kyle Rudolph, would be a hero in a big play that ended up changing the game and ultimately was the dagger because Detroit would never score again the rest of the game. Spoiler alert! Oh, spoiler alert! Detroit would never score another point the rest of the game. The Vikings defense was outstanding and the Detroit offense was uh, bad. (laughs) Extraordinarily bad. Yeah, it was bad. It was weak. It was lousy. And that's all there is to say. Uh, Matt Prater made his kicks. He's a great kicker. Detroit, though, could not execute once, could not get in the end zone once, so Minnesota Vikings red zone defense deserves a huge hand. But um, nice to see Rudolph, the redhead tight end, come through with a uh, spectacular play, without a doubt. I mean, sometimes it's just a matter of, again, like Gary Burns said years ago in his 1989 rant, you know, squadron left, squadron fly, squadron left, I guess that would be squadron right, squadron right, squadron left, whatever the heck it was. Well, it was a squadron, and it flew, and you're looking for a tip pass, a great play, some damn thing, and, well, they got some damn thing, and it worked out. So there's your squadron right, squadron whatever. It was to the right. There was a good pass. It was a great play. It was accurate. It wasn't overthrown. It wasn't underthrown. It was a very catchable play, and it was made, and that was the dagger. The game was over. Well, not really, but... I think a lot of Detroit fans and a lot of Detroit players kind of, I think their men, <laughs> I think their frustration with the season kind of came out at that moment, thinking, well, obviously this isn't our year. Minnesota, after trailing the whole game, goes up fourteen to nine, trailing the whole game nine nothing. It's fourteen to nine, and it's like whatever. The rest of the game not that interesting either. The first half before those two wonderful little drives was freaking boring. The second half also was pretty freaking boring, but the Vikings had had a couple field goals and a touchdown. It was, generally speaking, boring, but it was better. It was better, and the Vikings' defense was freaking awesome. Detroit couldn't do anything offensively, and that's just all there is to say. There was just nothing, nothing going in that second half for Detroit. Uh, Kirk Cousins would rack up the yards. Kyle Rudolph would get in the end zone twice as he was able to score a second touchdown in the game, which was awesome. Uh, It looked like Delvin Cook had a touchdown and then a dumb, lame 
behind the back illegal block on uh, Mr. Robinson, number 17 there. At first, I was like, oh, great. Why are we Why are we making dumb plays like that? And then you watch the replay, and it's like, oh, that was a weak call. That was not, I don't think that was a illegal block on the back, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wearing purple and gold shades here. But, uh, well, whatever. Luckily, the Vikings will wind up in the end zone anyway on this play. It wind up with uh, Rudolph, the right, uh, the redhead tight end, as he pretty much wrapped up the Fran Tarkington award. At the end of the day, the Vikings could not score on the other two drives. Ended up getting field goals, but at least they went in close by, and you felt a little better. Uh, Kyle Rudolph with, again, two touchdowns, a career-receiving yardage day. You think he's done this before, but I guess not. I mean, no. Uh, he caught all of his targets, including, again, the Hail Mary 45-yarder, which was great. Uh, Thielen had the 40-yarder that ended up setting up the touchdown to Diggs during the game. Very nice game for Adam Thielen. Did not get to 100 yards, but he got to 80, so not a whole lot of complaints there. Stefan Diggs only caught two targets in the game. Some of them were threw away. Some of them were batted away, but it seems like uh, Thielen or Diggs, one of them is not going to get much, and the other one will get something. And at the end of the day, Kyle Rudolph was the difference. So to me, he had a he was a difference maker in this game, despite that stupid play running to the sideline. Oh, that hurts. Most of the plays to him were pretty short yardage, but still, still wound up with 122 yards, a couple of big plays down the stretch, including, again, the Hail Mary in Detroit. There's nothing fancy about it at, at the end of the day, when you, come, when, you, when you name it. It was just a good play, and he made the catch. That's just catch the ball. That's all. And luckily, it was in the right place, right time, and nobody was draped over him, and Again, the other thing you were hoping for, if it's a tip pass, the other thing, again, pass interference penalty, something like that, half the distance to the goal. The Vikings had no choice because they were not in field goal range at that moment. That's why you had to go for a Hail Mary. You were literally in the middle of the field. Essentially, yes, 44 yards away. But, I mean, by the time uh, Mr. Cousins had dropped back to pass, he was around the 52 at the time because he had to kind of get away from Detroit defenders to release the ball. Obviously, a step back to pass, whatever. We all know about that simple stuff. Huh, Green Bay ended up winning today. Hmm, but they're out anyway, so, oh well, good for them. <laughs> Fun game for Minnesota, though. Detroit could do pretty much nothing in the game. I mean, I whatever. Uh, you just take it. You feel better. LeGarrette Blunt had a moment or two here and there. Zach Zenner had a moment or two. Here and there. He actually wasn't too bad. Very early in the game, Zach Zenner actually had a pretty big play. 29 yards. Scamper, which scared us all. Ended up being only a field goal for Detroit. Thank God. That's all that led to at the end of the day. Zach Zenner from Minnesota, which is nice. Uh, we're happy for him there at the end of the day. Good play. Uh, even Matt Castle ran for 14 late in the game, which is kind of cool. Matt Castle's a pretty nice quarterback. It's too bad. You know, he, he didn't live up to that huge contract he got with the Chiefs. And he was, he was solid here, but again, he's just one of those middle-of-the-road guys. He, though I would say he's a little bit above average when he was in his prime. Still hanging around. It's amazing. as uh, He's getting minimal minimal playing time, minimal snaps, but that's just it is what it is. You're a backup quarterback, and, and a lot of times teams have their guy, and you're not going to play and, uh, unless there's an injury. And in this case, Detroit, just it was just not Matt, Matt Stafford's day, Matthew Stafford's day at all. Minnesota again, 27-9, so that's just all there is to say about it. Um, not an exciting game at all, other than those two wonderful drives. It was not good football, obviously. It was kind of ugly. It was it was boring most of the time, except for those couple plays. And thank God for those plays. The Vikings playoff hopes very much alive. Now I'm rambling. Let's just move on. Fran Tarkington Award 
for this show. I gotta give it to Kyle Rudolph, despite that dumb play. I can forgive it and still give him the award, because he had a wonderful game. He had a wonderful play. And of course, Kirk Cousins, very accurate after a horrible, horrible start to the game, and he didn't turn the ball over, so he's definitely an honorable mention for Fran Targington Award. 75% and only 28 passes, 253 in the yardage category. Three touchdowns officially, one to Diggs, two to Rudolph, and a quarterback rating just under 138 at the end of the day, despite being pretty much zero in the first half. It was so bad until that drive, until that uh, fateful drive. The Christian Potter Memorial, I don't know, just that, I, just the play in general in the first half, the play calling, the plays, the execution, it was horrible. The offensive line here and there, Mike Remmers, another couple, of, he, I, I thought he had a pretty rotten first half. Things got a little better in the second half, but I guess he's the closest thing to a Christian Toronto Memorial for the day. Mike Remmers, just not the best game after an awesome game against uh, Miami. But um, again, he was better in the second half, so it's a very gentle uh, Christian Ponder Memorial because this game was, you know, it was just the kind of game you, you'd you almost win it by accident at the end of the day. That's how, that's how bad it's gotten for the Detroit Lions. So with that, we'll take a quick break, come back and uh, look at the NFL and Talk about next week's opponent, the Chicago Bears, who are the kings of the north. The Bears are the kings of the north. There's nothing we can do about it at this point. But let's at least be that second-place wildcard team. Will we play Chicago? Will we play the Dallas Cowboys? What's going to happen? We've got to talk about the Seahawks coming up as well. Unfortunately, that's a Sunday night game, but that'll be flashing in the background like I usually have it in segment number two. So we'll talk to you then in just a moment right after this break. We are back here on segment number two. Time to look around the league a bit, the NFC North, and of course preview next week's opponent, the Bears. The Bears and the Rhinos, the Bears. Take the offense first and 10 at the 20-yard line, or should we say 25-yard line? That would be uh, talking football, and we're talking football here. And of course, let's just open up this segment looking at the playoff picture since, well, it's kind of important now. Of course, Pittsburgh Steelers losing by a very narrow margin, allowing the New Orleans Saints now to clinch. Not only hold on to the number one seed in the in the NFC, but they have clinched it. It's all over. New England Patriots, a team we're going to look at first here. They are back in number two seed because the Houston Texans couldn't uh, finish off the Philadelphia Eagles today. Just couldn't get the stops they needed to, just like the, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers couldn't get the stop near the end there and, of course, couldn't hang on to the bleeping ball. There was a chance they were going to tie that up or even win before the end of regulation, but it just wasn't meant to be, and the Steelers' uh, hopes now ride with the uh, Cleveland Browns next week. That's interesting. Let's look at the AFC first and foremost. Again, the Patriots regain a bid for a first-round buy, which is good for them, as their history is fantastic when they have a first-round buy. When they don't, it's not. And, well, it's hard to get to the Super Bowl without having a first-round buy. It's really bleeping hard, but some teams can do it. Denver Broncos did it back in the day. Baltimore did it. Maybe Baltimore's going to do it again. Right now, they're fourth in the AFC. Let's go in order, though. Kansas City, of course, number one. New England Patriots, number two. Houston remaining at least number three. They would host the Indianapolis Colts now, who have unseated the Steelers. Baltimore Ravens go from sixth up to fourth now. They would host the San Diego, no, not San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers, who almost had it. They almost had the number one seed if they could have hung on today. 
and won the game. Pretty crazy that they lost, and now the Chiefs regain number one seed again. That's the tough part. You don't win your division. You're going on the road, and, you know, it, it's tough. You could easily be the number two team in the conference and end up being the fifth seed. That's pretty much how the Denver Broncos ended up winning the Super Bowl. It was Kansas City, ironically, who had the number one record, 13-3, and three, with, uh, was it Bono? I think it was Bono leading the way. Yeah, Bono, the quarterback, who used to be a backup to Joe Montana in both uh, <clears throat> San Francisco and, of course, Steve Young for a short time. And uh, Steve Bono, yep, uh, San Francisco, and then ultimately Kansas City for a short time behind Joe Montana. Steve Bono had taken over. Uh, no, it was Elvis Gerbach, actually. <clears throat> Bono had already gone. They had their little run in, I believe it was 95, 96, sometime around then. They had a great record. I think it was 95, and they got knocked out right away by the Indianapolis Colts with uh, <clears throat> Jim Harbaugh. That's what it was. And then that was Bono. And I was like, people were like, can you believe they lost? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, because Bono's not that good. Steve Bono's a backup quarterback. Um, <laughs> sometimes, you, I mean, it's Kansas City. That's how they are. This time it's a little different. I think their quarterback's fantastic, but we'll see. We'll see. The Chiefs have let people down many, many, many times. They had Trent Green with a great record. They had a Priest Holmes with a fantastic record in 2003. They were tops in the AFC, and they lost right away to... <laughs> They lost right away to the Colts. Yeah, the Bal- the Indianapolis Colts, not Baltimore. <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens were the team in Baltimore at that point. The Colts used to reside in Baltimore way back in the early 80s and beyond. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Let's just talk about the Patriots. And things are taking shape. Too bad for the Chargers. It's tough. It can be done, though. It can be done. And I think it absolutely can. New England Patriots regaining the possibility of getting back to the Super Bowl, of course, beating Buffalo, which isn't that big of a deal. It's kind of like the Vikings beating the Lions. But, of course, the Vikings couldn't beat Buffalo this year at home. But the Patriots did beat Buffalo at home, thank God, 5-10, and 10, just like the Lions. 10-5, and 5, the Patriots are. Vikings just as easily could have been 10-5 and 5 this year, but just they just weren't. Um, Josh Allen, not really that good, not really sharp. Poor quarterback rating, multiple interceptions, too many attempts. Not accurate. Tom Brady, not that great either. But Buffalo's defense is fantastic. Brady had a couple of interceptions in the game. Brian Hoyer even actually attempted a pass in the game for a moment there. Tom Brady shaking up a bit. 54%. He's not been sharp the past few weeks, but we'll see. Every time you think Brady's done, he ain't done. So we'll see. Uh, Sony Michael leading the way. Sony Michael, that's an interesting name, right? <laughs> Mikhail, no, Sony Michael leading the way with 116 yards rushing and getting in the end zone. James White as well. You got to see Cordero Patterson rush four times, a 27-yard scamper. So good for him at the end of the day. Patriots win. Bottom line, they're back to the first round bye, and I think they could beat Kansas City. They they already did this year, so I'm absolutely convinced New England could beat Kansas City. Could they beat the Saints in the Super Bowl? I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know. But the Steelers almost did, so maybe they can. Steelers almost did. Again, Kansas City, Seattle coming up. We'll probably get to that more in the background versus the... Wow, Jared Bayless, huh? He's alive. He's actually playing for the Timberwolves now. That's pretty weird. But (laughs) what am I talking about? Yeah, we'll talk about that more in the third segment as we get further and further into the show and further into the evening. The Oaktown 3-11 Raiders host the the out-of-the-playoff 6-8 Broncos. Sorry to say that to you, Mr. Uh, Gerald Sering out of Nebraska, who is his second favorite team was Denver. My second favorite team, New England. Yeah, you all know that already by now. 
Uh, any of you out there, if your second favorite team was the Raiders, gosh, just a couple of years ago, they were so promising, and mm, that's got to suck. I, I feel for you, honestly. Uh, Tennessee hanging on, trying to make it, but they're not going to because just very few teams are going to make it in the AFC. Miami's done. Last week, they were pretty awful, and then this week, no. Uh, Tennessee Titans 25-16 over the injured and not going to make it. Uh, Washington Redskins. Baltimore Ravens beat the Chargers in Los Angeles. This is a big one. This is a big one. Um, Lamar Jackson, fantastic. Uh, he is just getting the job done. He is, uh, it's not even like he was spectacular, but I mean, the fact you could get this done in LA is extremely impressive. The problem is the attendance. And I don't know, the, the fan support in Los Angeles is not what it needs to be for this team. I know you all love the Rams so very much. The Rams are just the greatest thing since sliced bread and everything and all that, despite getting beat pretty handily by the Bears recently. Yeah, I don't know. Um, they they won today, but yeah, against Arizona. I mean, anybody can beat Arizona except the Packers. <laughs> Sorry for that subtle jab there. But uh, Chargers manage only 10 points against that solid, tough Baltimore defense. And Mr. Lamar Jackson starting to look like a first-round pick. Um, not the greatest game ever, but he got the job done. He was sharp when he needed to be. It just wasn't the Chargers' day at, at the end of the day, per se, when Phillip Rivers ultimately, well, he, he completed the pass to Antonio Gates. They were trying to get something to get going, trying to get back in the game and all that, even take the lead, whatever it was. Antonio Gates ends up fumbling. It sounds familiar like Mr. Uh, oh, it was just devastating. Uh, I mean... The Chargers were driving. The Los Angeles Chargers were driving. They had a legitimate chance, and then you get a fumble six. Uh, Tavon Young recovered the fumble and took it 62 yards to pay dirt. The Ravens ultimately fail in the two-point conversion, but I don't even know what's the point. You're up by 12, but I, I suppose you wanted to get to 14. Duh, that's a full two-touchdown lead if it's a crazy situation with two minutes and 40 seconds left. Chargers had a golden opportunity to actually take the lead late and maybe win the game, but it just was not meant to be, uh, unfortunately. Uh, they could not get the job done down by 12 with two and a half left. It's kind of like whatever, especially after that. That's got to hurt. So big, big, big loss for the Chargers today. Um, so that's definitely shaking things up over there in the AFC. Chargers had a legitimate shot of catching Kansas City and doesn't look like it's going to happen. Cleveland Browns, unfortunately, it doesn't, you know, they're not going to be able to make the playoffs, but with 7-7-1, seven, seven and one. but man, they're back to 500. What a completely different team they are compared to last year. They are legitimately better than Cincinnati this year, which is great. They swept the season series against the Cincinnati Bengals. That deserves a nice hand. Congratulations, Cleveland. Getting taken care of business over the Cincinnati Bengals on the road and at home today in Browns Stadium. How creative. Just like their helmets are very creative, but I don't care. I think their uniforms are cool, man. I like their uniforms. They're all brown with the yellow stripes. Orange stripes, what am I talking about? I think the Browns uniforms are cool. They're, they're kick-ass, and I love what they're doing. I love it. I hope they keep it coming, man. And Baker Mayfield, man, why would you have to play like crap in the one game I got to see? Because, you know, you can, you know, in the one game I got to actually like watch the whole thing live. You know, that, that was nice. So here you just get the little, little highlights here and there, and you want to keep up with it. <clears throat> You're in there with red zone and all that. But three touchdowns for Baker Mayfield. No turnovers at all. 284 yards. Completed through 73% against uh, Phil Driscoll's uh, nephew. No, I'm kidding. Jeff Driscoll. I'm just messing around. He was actually really good. <laughs> he was, but they were playing from behind the whole game. Cleveland just kind of started kicking some butt in that second quarter, taking a sizable lead. 
And good on them. Good on the Cleveland Browns against a Cincinnati team that's, I don't know, are they ready to make a change of coach now after they re, after they re-signed him again at the end of last year when everybody thought the Cincinnati Bengals were going to move on from Marvin Lewis? They re-signed him. They thought they are just going to say, okay, your contract's up and it's been good. Thank you for the memories of getting us to the playoffs but never winning a playoff game for 16 years. But thanks. Uh, no, that just isn't what happened. And we'll see if it happens this year finally. It's overdue. But Cleveland, hell of a job hell of a job and you know i'm impressed seven and seven whatever they're doing there keep it up keep it coming because maybe they will be a playoff team next year the only thing i don't like is the name of the head coach it's greg williams and we all know how i feel about the saints and what took place there and i'm still bitter about that and it's funny greg williams of all people of all people um that's pretty insane when you sit down and think about it uh Pretty weird. Um, <laughs> Hugh, Hugh Jackson was finally fired on the 29th of October. Greg Williams, of all people. But hey, Greg, maybe he's cleaned up his act enough that he can be there a bit longer. I don't know. There's all kinds of rumors about uh, Bruce Arians possibly being the coach of Cleveland. Does he want to? He had so many health problems. He was awesome with Arizona, though, and maybe he can uh, get things going again with Cleveland. But uh, Greg Williams is doing a hell of a job at, you know, Put them in playoff contention for the most part. Just a couple of sucky games here and there, uh, which were frustrating because Cleveland might have had a shot at making it, but probably not now, obviously. The Dallas Cowboys, they wrapped up their division versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in AT&T Stadium, 27-10. to Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys, again, 9-6. and When I stare at 9-6, and I just, I'm staring at that number right now. Make a bleeping kick. Just one Daniel Carlson. Maybe you could have still been here. You could have got things together. Even though Prefer says, oh, yeah, we, we, we knew we were going to correct it. Well, then correct it, Christian Ponder. Correct it. It's easily correctable, then correct it. That could have made a nice difference. I like Dan Bailey, but if Daniel Carlson has the boot that he supposedly has and he's got the future that he supposedly has, I wouldn't have minded keeping him around and, well, make one of those damn kicks. Just one damn kick. And I'm looking at 9-6 and six right now with a, with a purple banner. Purple banner with some gold siding. You know, it's it's not asking much, is it? It is it asking much? Just 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 that one nine and six. I mean, just small stuff like that. Now, of course, again, the the BS call on Clay Matthews, Mister Guy who likes to fly like a bird in State Farm commercials. Yeah, that guy. There's there's that. But uh, well, <laughs> maybe we could take a, a call going our way once in a while in a Packer game. Because yeah, I think some people out there might think the few calls have gone the Packers' ways over the years. <sighs> Jameis Winston, well, nice game on paper in terms of passing yards and all that, but he fumbled twice, and that didn't help. Dallas' defense holding strong at the end of the day, and Dak Prescott was sharp. He, he's not that good, but he's sharp. He's, he's good enough. He's at least he's at least a legitimate starting quarterback. Let's, let's give him that. And, of course, Ezekiel Elliott is one of the best players in football overall. Of course, one of the best running backs in the NFL, but one of the best players in the whole league, I think. Mike Evans also a great, great star receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So a team that it's unfortunate they're you know they should be a lot better than they are. I mean, there's a lot of talent on this team, and if somebody can get to Jameis Winston to be better, you know, to be more consistent, be a better decision maker. I, I don't know. Maybe it's too late. Maybe it's not. I think the talent's there, and the right coach can get him where he needs to be. Indianapolis Colts survived a close one. Pat Shermer's club, the New York Giants, are really becoming a spoiler here, folks. They knocked the Bears down a couple weeks ago. 
the Bears easily could have a first-round bye right now if not for that game. I mean, that hurt, including that stupid Packer game at the beginning of the year, which I think the Bears had in their freaking... They, they, they had that one made, and they still didn't win because Aaron Rodgers is typical miracle style. Good for him. Uh, I mean, Indianapolis almost blew it to the Giants in Lucas Oil Stadium. The Giants are becoming quite a dangerous road team in the NFL. Yes, the pressure's off. But still, it's still impressive. I mean, the Colts almost blew it here. This could have killed their chance. But they survived, barely. The Giants took a very sizable lead early on, a couple touchdown lead. We all know what that feels like, going down 14 early against the Giants. Sounds familiar. Uh, very early, in fact. Um, well, the first quarter, still. Just like getting going down 14 nothing against Buffalo as quick as we did. Good times. Uh, Andrew Luck, again, Looking like the old Andrew Luck, of course, Eli Manning. These are a couple of number one picks. One's just a few years earlier than the other, I suppose, in Eli Manning. But he was sharp. He was solid. And New York's doing a good job. And Pat Shermer, I mean, hey, you know, they were horrendous last year. They've improved a little bit. Again, there's no pressure in these games. They're just enjoying playing spoiler a little bit because the Giants were out basically like by freaking Halloween, <laughs> unfortunately for them. But uh, it's nice to see them playing a little better. And, of course, it's hard to not root for Pat Germer. A lot of us miss him, but uh, Kevin Stefanski's doing a decent job, I think. He's got a little bit more of Pat Germer in him than John Filippo did. That's for damn sure. As that offense works. That style offense works. Running the ball, balanced, balanced attack, and, of course, getting, the, getting rid of the ball quicker. Uh, the Florida battle, another one. Of course, Tampa Bay lost to Dallas. But this one's all in Florida. Miami Dolphins. Hard Rock Stadium, and it was a hard, hard. It, it was rock bottom. <laughs> it was hard. It was hard rock bottom here for the Miami Dolphins. They only managed seven points. I know Jacksonville's defense is good, but seven points, and the Jaguars scored seventeen points. Five and ten record. The Jaguars, a team that almost beat the Patriots and almost came to Minneapolis last year to almost play the freaking Vikings until the Vikings forgot how to play in Philadelphia. But um, we'll leave that alone. Jacksonville, though, it could have been Jacksonville versus the Eagles. It would have been teal versus uh, teal, kind of. The, the Eagles are almost teal-colored. Forest teal, I guess. Forest green teal, whatever the heck that you call that color. Uh, Miami and their beautiful teal. I like their teals just fine. But, uh, unfortunately, they're a team that, coming into last week's game, they just stopped playing. Um, they had some nice, impressive wins to hang on. to have a 7-6 and six record and... I don't know. Pretty much since the get-go last week, the Dolphins are done. And I mean, they are beyond done. Even though they led 7 nothing in this game midway through the first, it was just all Jacksonville after that. And Kai Forbath getting re-employed finally. It took long enough to replace the injured kicker in Jacksonville. In Jacksonville. So unfortunately, either one of these teams, Kai Forbath a job very short-lived. It's like getting a little temp job for, for the holidays or what I like to call Christmas instead of holidays. I call it Christmas prefer to. Um, but a nice little temporary job for Kai Forbath. Maybe he'll keep it. Maybe he'll wind up somewhere else, but I like Kai Forbath. I respect him, and I appreciate what, that uh, I'm glad at least he got, got to get back in the NFL, at least for a short time, and hopefully longer coming up. We'll save the Green Bay game, even though it's meaningless at this point. Nice score, though, I would have to say. Nice numbers, but uh, we'll leave that alone. Philly-Houston is extremely important. We'll talk about that right now. That was flashing on the screen during the entire time. The Vikings game was flashing on the other screen, the main screen, we'll call it. 
Ah, oh, Houston. You know, Philadelphia was playing well the whole game. They were leading most of the way, but Houston made things super interesting, and Deshaun Watson is just the bomb. He's one of the best future players in the league out there. He uh, passed for 339 yards. He got sacked four times, which was unfortunate. He lost a fumble, which did not help. Still had a good efficiency rating throughout the game. And after a slow start to the season, he's really come on nicely. But unfortunately for Houston, they've lost a couple of games lately when this team just maybe could have gotten a first round bye. I'm thinking the chances of getting it now very, very, very slim. Philadelphia still hanging on in the very team that knocked the Vikings out last year in such an ugly fashion, trying to do the same thing again as they're the last team remaining, the very last team remaining that could knock the Vikings out of the playoffs should things go awry. Philadelphia will be playing the Washington Redskins next week, which tells us that they're probably going to win the game. Washington's not going to be playing for anything. Philadelphia's playing for everything. They're trying to defend their championship. And here's the other problem. You know, Carson Wentz, how he's a fantastic player, right? Number two pick in the draft. You know, an Eagles team that wasn't good a few years ago. Just a few years ago, bringing guys in, bringing the right guys, some young players, right draft picks, some other young players that were good, but were kind of left on an island. And next thing you know, Philadelphia's got... The best offensive line in football, one of the best defensive lines in football, uh, multiple good tight ends, especially Mr. Ertz. And and then you bring in Carson Wentz, and he's fantastic. And the Eagles make that move to get him. And how good was Carson Wentz? Just beautiful. And then he tears his ACL in a weird dive play. And then Nick Foles, who had some spectacular statistics for Philly years ago, went to St. Louis slash L.A. No, St. Louis at the time, and just didn't do anything. He just didn't do anything. I forget who else he went to, but just basically was a nobody. Paul Charchian, locally, who's on KFAN frequently, but fantasyfootball, fanball.com, all that stuff, um, was in love with Nick Foles coming in here to be our backup quarterback, and I thought he was right. I thought he was right. I mean, the efficiency was, was there. But there's only one place this guy plays well, and it's Philadelphia, and that son of a gun is the quarterback of the Eagles right now because... Carson Wentz is banged up. And what's happening right now is, well, yeah, this has happened before. I'm experiencing deja vu. It's happening again. I mean, this guy's passing all over the field like there's just nothing there. He is slicing through everybody. He passed for almost 500 yards today, including four touchdowns. He did fumble a ball. He did get an interception in the game because he's not perfect. But he's looking like the same guy who passed for about 500 yards in the Super Bowl last year and about 500 yards against the Vikings this year, uh, in, in the two weeks before that in the NFC title game. And here we go again. Here we go again after Nate Sudfield attempted one pass and it looked like Foles was banged up. Back in he went. And you thought, there it was. Philly's done. The Vikings are in. We don't have to worry about that anymore. You just want to maybe improve the record a little bit, finish strong. It's good that the Vikings will have something to play for next week. But it's bad that if things don't go well and Philly wins, which they probably will, well, bye-bye birdie. I mean, at least we'll have a higher draft pick, I guess, which is fine. We can get another Anthony Barr. We can get, well, let's focus more on a guard. I hope a guard would be nice. Uh, maybe a tackle. We'll see what happens, but probably a guard at this point. But Philadelphia is looking like that team again. A little too little too late, but hopefully it is too little too late, but it isn't too little too late yet. And they... Uh, tore up that uh, Houston team down the stretch. Even though Houston still managed 30 points and played a phenomenal game, Philadelphia was just that much better because of Nick Foles. That Nick Foles and uh, Doug Peterson connection is uh, something I just can't even believe. Forget about John Filippo. 
and further proof that John Filippo had nothing to do with Nick Foles' success. Maybe some, but not much. Not enough to tell me that it was him that basically fixed everything. Nick Foles could already play, and he's become, well, he's become Philadelphia's Eli Manning, we'll say, where he had some mediocre moments, you know, in the regular season here and there in years past as the quarterback of the Eagles, but then here come the playoffs, and it's lights out. <clears throat> Let's talk about Carolina and Atlanta. Atlanta, who has underachieved all season, is winning a couple games late just to patch up their record a little bit after they lost their ninth game three weeks ago. They've won two in a row, good for them, six and nine on the year, and Carolina's lost about 15 in a row, it feels like. No, they were six and two at one point. They've lost seven in a row. Adios, Ron Rivera. That's that's it, and I'm not making fun of his heritage. I'm just using that word accidentally. I don't even mean it that way, trust me. But uh, Ron Rivera, it's it's over. I He's a hell of a coach, and he was a great defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears when they got to the NFC title game against Green Bay in 2010, but it's over. Carolina's done, and boy, done and dusted is the word. Kind of sad. Uh, Tyler Heineke got to play, though, and that was cool, but unfortunately, it didn't matter a whole lot. Um, they got to complete his first touchdown pass of his career, but he threw three interceptions, and he wasn't very good. He did have 274 yards passing, which is great. Some guy named Kyle Allen completed four passes as well, but uh, who cares? Let's just move on. And my guy, Brian Hill, drafted by Atlanta last year at only 12 yards on the season, and he had a good game. The guy out of Wyoming, remember Brian Hill, who I talked about very affectionately in the past, had only 37 yards last year and 11 attempts. Very minimal, very minimal uh Sample size for the poor guy. Barely even got to play the whole damn season. 11 rushes, 4 rushes this year. Brian Hill. Brian Hill. He equips the century mark today on only 8 rushes. He ran for 60 yards, did not get in the end zone, and of course he fumbled once. So that sucks to see. But uh, he still managed to get 115 yards on the ground. Brian Hill. That's a guy I would not mind the Vikings acquiring. Say if you end up losing... uh, Latavius Murray because, you know, he deserves a raise. He does. And another team offers him a decent amount of money. Brian Hill, baby. About 220 pounds, six foot one, big guy who can play a little bit. That's somebody I would at least look at. I know you think, oh, give me a break. You know, he's not he's nowhere near Latavius Murray. Probably not right now, but I think he's got a future. And I really liked him with my own uh Wyoming. So there I go going on and on about this guy, but uh I like Brian Hill, damn it. And I liked him going into the draft that year. Los Angeles Rams before we finally uh, end, of course, the Saints game. So L.A. Rams, and then we'll finally get to the NFC North a little bit. L.A. Rams 31-9 over Arizona. Larry Fitzgerald is he nearing the end. I have no idea, but the Rams needed this win like they need to breathe. And they're going to probably hang on to the two seed and hang on to the uh, the first round bye. We shall see. <clears throat> The chances are are still pretty strong, though, of, of doing that. Just as if they lost to Arizona today. But uh, this is a team that had a fairly easy schedule for a division champion last year. 12-3 and three are the Rams. 3-12 and 12 are Arizona. And that's all. I mean, I don't want to keep talking about that. Who cares? New Orleans over Pittsburgh. A back-and-forth game. Pittsburgh played a whale of a game. New Orleans played a whale of a game. Back and forth, back and forth. The Steelers in New Orleans. I mean, and this is what annoys me about the bleeping Saints this year. Every one of their games that was a very difficult opponent just happened to magically be at home. And it's just like, seriously, like the Rams and Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, you could go on and on about that. And it's just like, seriously, the Rams, the Steelers, 
And there have been some others. Of course, they lost to Dallas earlier this year on the road, which was good. I mean, that was that was nice to see. But, well, that game doesn't mean anything anymore. They're number one now, unfortunately, at the end of the day. And it's funny, too, how earlier in the season, they barely lost to the Browns by only three. Uh, I'm trying to see some of the up. Yep, the Rams game was at home. The Eagles game, well, they killed them. And, of course, the Steelers. So it just figures that some of their toughest opponents were at home. But, I don't know, it is what it is. They did a hell of a job this year. At the end of the day, did the New Orleans Saints. It's also crazy that they lost to the Buccaneers in their season opener. They lost to the Bucks at home. That's pretty funny. But still, boy, one little loss. It didn't mean as much as some of us thought. So that's the end of the day, how things go. Let's move on. Let's move on. I'm dragging it too long. I don't want to talk about the Saints. But, well, I'll look at it for three seconds. But uh, definitely an entertaining game. Some close calls. Michael Thomas in the end zone. I guess. You know, I mean, I, I, I you know, they initially said that he was uh, down at the one. He was in and barely. But, I mean, barely in. It just kind of is what it is there. Ben, ben Roethlisberger looking like the Roethlisberger of old. He didn't turn the ball over. Almost 400 yards. Three touchdowns. Breeze only one touchdown, but still very sharp and accurate when he needs to be. So... We'll just kind of have to let that go as is for now. Let's look at that crappy Packer game before the uh, the Bears game. And, of course, the Vikings played Detroit, so it is what it is. And let's move on to the Bears. Of course, the Bears, we have to wrap up last of that because that's next week's opponent. Green Bay, 44-38 to over the Jets. We're happy for them. Sorry this is going long. Just had a lot to say as we head into the postseason. I'm enjoying it, can you tell? Uh, Sam Darnold, this is one of his best games of the season and against a Green Bay defense that stinks big time. But the Jets, gosh, you know, they were 3-3 three and three when they played the Vikings. Do you remember that? 3-3? Three and three? They're now 4-11. and 11. I mean, that's embarrassing. Like 1-7 since then. Since that blustery flurries, you know, flurries in the sky. Beautiful day there in New York. I love seeing those flurries come down. But uh, Sam Darnold, has, uh, he had a great game. But, boy, 38 points for that Jets team, and they still couldn't get the job done. Jets' defense was decent at one point in time, but Rodgers passed all over him for about 450 yards. Jamal Williams ran for almost 100, and they had an easy day on the ground. Almost seven yards a carry. Even Aaron Rodgers rushed for two touchdowns in the game, so he's regained his mobility. Green Bay ends up winning 44-10, and 6-8-1 on the season. Packers trying to finish with somewhat of a respectable record as they look to hire their new coach. San Francisco hosting the Chicago Bears. They almost they almost pulled this thing out. I mean, what's up with the Bears playing to the level of their opponent here? Just like the Giants game. They only managed 14 points. San Francisco's defense is decent. And this game got a bit chippy, too, with uh, Richard Sherman going against Chicago Bears receivers. Multiple people getting ejected in the game. Pretty entertaining, to say the least. Uh, Richard Sherman's a jackass. I've never been a fan. Uh, 49ers, 4-11 and on the season. They need something. They have their quarterback, if he's freaking healthy. We'll see what happens there, but um, they could use a lot of other things. Nick Mullins is a pretty good backup, though, but he ain't no Nick Foles. <laughs> Jordan Howard is solid on the ground, but it was kind of a passing day, I guess. It wasn't much of anything. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky was extremely sharp in the game, except he lost a fumble. God, he just he always finds a way to turn the ball over, doesn't he? Sounds familiar. <clears throat> Um, completing, though, 25 at 29. Again, an ugly game, but he was he was solid in the game. Mitchell Trubisky wasn't necessarily the reason why the Bears almost lost the game, except for the damn fumble. Um, 49ers end up uh, making things quite interesting for a short time there. 
making things interesting for quite a while, honestly. Um, they actually, well, they had a 6 nothing lead at one point. San Francisco ended up leading 9-7. to At the end of the half, they were able to nail a 23-yard field goal because they just could not get in the end zone and were running out of time. The Bears ultimately score early in the third quarter, and that was kind of it the rest of the way. It's almost like they're just trying not to get hurt and just kind of maintaining. They figure San Francisco's offense sucks so bad, and our defense is so phenomenal. We don't really have to worry too much. Just shut them down. We'll hope for the best. Try not to get anybody important injured and uh, get out of here with an 11-4 and record, and the Bears did that. So, But they need things to go their way. They need to beat us, and they need the Rams to lose next week. So it's going to be interesting to see what uh, takes place for the Bears to try to get that number two seed. Though I do think they're good enough to win a road game and uh, knock somebody out and get to the NFC title game. Are the Chicago Bears. Can the Vikings do that? I don't know. I hope so. I hope so. I I know the Rams' opponent was a pretty weak one. Yep, it's San Francisco in Los Angeles. So, well, if you want... I'd rather see the Bears win the NFC than the Rams, but then again, eh, I'd rather see the Rams ten times over the Saints, though. It's unfortunate that the Rams blew it at home against the the Bears, but it is what it is. And, of course, the Rams could not win in New Orleans. They they had their chances, but it just did not happen. Uh, the Rams lost to both the Saints and the Bears. So, in a lot of ways, you could say the Saints and the Bears are both better than the Rams this year, despite the Rams at the time being the number one seed, and they had been until that game. Seattle has scored early against the Kansas City Chiefs. So, that's going to be interesting to see how things go there. Let's talk about the Bears coming in here. Minnesota's going to play Chicago, of course. I don't expect to say a whole lot, even though it's an extremely important game. And again, I apologize for dragging this out so long, heading into the playoffs. Uh, Chicago's offense, I mean, is Mitchell Zerbisky, again, Can I do I have to say this again and annoy you out there? Is he just going to be another Grossman for the Bears, or is he a better version? I will say he's a better version because of his athleticism, and uh, obviously he's capable of being very efficient. Again, this is the kind of game they just wanted to get out of there without getting hurt. And they almost did get hurt. And, of course, multiple receivers ejected in the game. Richard Sherman just mixing things up for what reason? He's just a jackass. Uh, Jordan Howard, obviously, good, solid running back. Tariq Cohen ran all over us in a couple of plays. But Howard's the main guy. Tariq Cohen can be pretty interesting at times as well. He's the McKinnon, I would have to say, between the two. Even though Jordan uh, uh, Jordan Howard can, can definitely be a receiving back as well. Uh, Chicago's defense, man. I mean, it's all about Khalil Mack and some of those other studs there that they got. I mean, Akeem Hicks is still really something, obviously. Danny Kravathan got an interception today. Obviously, he's been a factor at times. Leonard Floyd. I mean, these are all names that just get the job done. These guys were all here last year when the Bears gave the Vikings a hell of a time as the Vikes tried to get that 13-3 and record and hope to God that somehow, someway, Philadelphia would lose home field, but they didn't. Um, Kyle Fuller, obviously, a guy who's been a factor for a long time for Chicago. He's got a lot of talent. Khalil Mack, though, is that MVP player. Uh... Aku Kamara, obviously. Uh, Amu Kamara, I'm sorry. Amu Kamara, how could I not say that right? I obviously know who that is. Obviously a huge factor for the Bears as well. I mean, there's talent up and down their defense. Eddie Goldman. It's going to be a very, very, very low-scoring game. I don't think it's going to be 25-20. to 20. I, And if it is, I, I don't know. I Either Kirk Cousins explodes or, or Adam Thielen explodes for something special. Or our defense has a lapse. Or there's a pick six in the game by one team or the other. 
I think there will be a defense. I think there will be defensive scoring on both sides in this game. I think the Vikings and the Bears will each get at least one touchdown with defense, maybe even a special teams touchdown, which could be the difference in the game. The Vikings have something to play for, and the Bears have something to play for. The Bears still have a shot at home field. You know, as long as San Francisco helps, as long as San Francisco beats the Rams and the Bears beat us, the Bears are number two in the NFC, and they will very, very likely be in the NFC title game in New Orleans. Very likely, despite some pretty crazy upsets coming along the way, like somebody knocking out the Saints. Maybe the Rams do. Maybe the Rams do, but I doubt it. I don't think they have the mental toughness to beat the Rams in New Orleans, right? Uh, to beat the uh, the Saints in New Orleans. Um, Chicago does have it. I think Chicago has that it factor. The hope is the home field, this and that. The Vikings play well at home sometimes. They play well at home against their divisional foes, the Minnesota Vikings. Yes, we do. Uh, against teams like Buffalo, who we think, oh, we're going to coast over San Francisco as well earlier in the year. We slack off and play like crap, but this is going to be a very emotional game. I expect it to be pretty entertaining. The Vikings offense has been significantly better the past few weeks. And again, yes, it sucked big time in Detroit. Yes, it did until a couple plays took place. I'm scared to death about this game. I mean, the Bears gave us a hell of a time last year. I'm surprised the Vikings even won that game last year in uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. It was that frustrating. And it's not because I love the Bears, but because their defense is that frustrating to play against. I don't know, man. I don't know. I like the Vikings' momentum right now. The Bears... I don't know. I mean, it's all about getting that defensive turnover. The home field advantage makes a difference in game in a game like this. It's one of those little little nuances that, you know, it makes that slight difference that can get the job done. It's going to be a weird game like 21 to 20, 21-17, something low scoring, something like that. Maybe it will be 25 to 20. I don't know, but I'm going to go with 21 to 17. I think the Vikings do survive. They make the playoffs. They beat the Bears in this game, which I know is a very risky thing to say. Not sure how I feel about the game in Chicago. In fact, I don't feel positive about it at all, if that's indeed where the Vikings go. Seattle, unfortunately, is winning tonight, which doesn't help. <laughs> but, well, it is what it is. I'm not too surprised one way or another. Um, but that's where I'm going to stand at this moment. The uh, Minnesota Vikings barely beat the Chicago Bears. I think, again... Better running game. You're going to see more running game, more balanced offense than you saw last time. If Kirk Cousins can protect the ball, hopefully we'll be okay, but I have a feeling there's going to be some kind of a funny play that's going to give the Bears a very good chance to win the game. Multiple turnovers by the Vikings, the Bears win. One turnover, the Vikings can still win uh, as long as you can get to Mitchell Trubisky to make some big mistakes, and I think he will. I think that's the difference in the game. I think that's the true difference in the game is Mitchell Trubisky coming into U.S. Bank Stadium against this defense will be the difference. I think the Vikings turn him him over multiple times in the game. Maybe one fumble, one interception, or multiple interceptions. And I think that's the reason why the Vikings escape and survive. Uh, Possibly a red zone interception when it looked like the Bears might have something going there. Something crazy like that. But uh, And another one where the Vikings actually score a touchdown or come very close to scoring and then ultimately get points at the end of the day because of the great field position after the turnover. Uh, but Minnesota will win the game, in my humble opinion, 21-17. to I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. I feel there's a better balance offensively. I think it's going to be a very black and blue, frustrating, low-scoring game. We're talking single digits for the first half, and then Minnesota barely escapes with uh, by the skin of our teeth, and that uh, Dan Bailey will come up big when, when, when need be. At some point, if if it comes to it, maybe it's a seven. Maybe we only score seventeen, and Bailey 
ended up hitting a field goal very late, but uh, we'll see what happens. With that, we'll take a break and finally get to fan interaction. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number three, fan interaction. Let's get going. Twitter account, at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show for the Twitter account. Want to thank Malcolm McSween out of Southern California, Vince Germano out of Australia for retweeting the show. Thank you guys very much. Balanced Offense, episode 282 was that one. Thanks again, guys, for that and passing it on to your friends like that. So, we slide up here to meet up with... The guy out of Northern Scotland, that would be Mad Martin, Dave Martin, Northern Scotland. Thank you very much. Always love hearing from this guy. He says, good win last week, but I have no doubt, but I have no doubt. <laughs> I love how he says that. They let us down today. Sorry, no audio. I I have no voice the past week, starting with Merry Christmas, brother. Thank you very much. So I'm not, not feeling good, huh? I understand with you. Uh, nice, uh, gotta like that little... Uh, Bottle holder, Minnesota Vikings, looks very classic, and uh, that looks old school. I, I like it very much. There's another three and out. Could be a lot of this going down. Running it on third and six. Normal service resumed on O. Yep, and it's been very frustrating. It was. That first half was unwatchable. Painful to watch so far. Not sure I've, I've, I have enough beer in this for the, have enough beer in for this game. How the hell does a team come out so flat with so much to play for? Yep, and it's uh, only going to get, yeah, I mean, it's like, he says, I wasn't joking. It was like, here we go again, need a win against the Bears, build confidence, and we'll see where the chips fall. I was saying that what a rotten start, yep. So, yes, let's get out of there, move back up. Talk about a turnaround, 24 unanswered points. So win this, and it's playoff mode next week. Win and stay in. Eagles play the Redskins. That's in the bag, and I agree. They will win. He says that with the Eagles winning, the playoffs begin for us. Yep, so literally, like, next week is, like, a playoff game, or it is a playoff game. I'm happy for that. Team needs to win to stay in. A loss, and they deserve to be out. It's all about momentum now. And you know what? I agree with that. That's why the title of this episode is Earn It, because the Vikings need to earn it. They need to earn it, or need to earn it, basically. They need to earn it because, well, I mean, it's been the kind of year where they've screwed around too much. Losing to Buffalo at home, tying with Green Bay, give me a break. They almost lost, too. Um, the game against San Francisco all the way back at the very beginning. Come on, you know, fumbling against the Rams when you had a chance to pull off one of the great upsets of the year and make things extremely interesting because, well, maybe we were supposed to be as good as the Rams this year. Remember, we were supposed to be as good as them, like way up there at the top. We were supposed to be a Super Bowl contender, and we kind of looked like it for a minute, and then we fumbled the ball away just like clockwork. So it's what it's all about, all right. He says, thanks all the way from the Mall of America. Hmm. I wonder what he was saying. What he, uh, oh, yeah, I do like the bottle. So he got it from the Mall of America. Oh, okay. I see. He must have also gotten this Christmas outfit, which is really cool. It says touchdown with the Christmas lights flashing and Dave Martin celebrating there. That is an awesome Christmas shirt. An awesome Christmas sweater, pardon me. Got that Christmas sweater, Viking colors. You got the 50, the 40, the hash marks. You got everything going on there. That is some beautiful stuff. So who's out in the flat there? Yeah, that's the center field, though, because obviously the hash marks and the numbers and all that. But uh, So who's open out in the flat? Is it Stefan Diggs? Is it Thielen? Is it Kyle Rudolph? 
Today, Kyle Rudolph was open in the flat when it mattered most, and it, it did help us. But uh, he was also open in the end zone, kind of, because the, uh, what you call, the, 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 the Lions were screwing around. They did not put a good enough effort, but hey, still got to make the play, still got to make the catch, still got to be in position to make the catch, and a good, accurate throw by a man by the name of Kirk Cousins. Mad Martin wraps up the Twitter account area saying, the question is, what Vikings t- team turns up next week? Too inconsistent this season for me to have much faith in the team, in them, pardon me. Um, I agree with you. I'm just, I think it's one of those, see, we, we've had many of these games every year, or not every year, but almost every year, many times during the past when we're a fringe playoff team, we host the Chicago Bears in the final game of the regular season. And it's a big, big deal. The Vikings seem to always come out ahead in these. Regardless, it's a close game. There's going to be some turnovers. The Bears will lead in the game. It'll look like the Bears may have it in the bag, but I think the Vikings somehow squeak it out. What happens after that is all on them, boy. Just like this week right now, it's all on them. You know, you don't win this week. Your chances of making it are probably done because I think Philadelphia beats Washington. I think Washington has nothing to play for. I think they're done. I think they're kind of in bleep it mode, and that's where things are headed. Awesome posts, Mad Martin. Thank you for those pictures. You are a star candidate like you are every week, and you are a legend, <laughs> and you're absolutely, <laughs> absolutely getting in the hall this year. And I know I keep saying that, but it's a fact. It's like the first ballot for him. He's on the ballot for the first time. Because I remember last year, it was yeah, I had to put some of the older members that have been around forever, and they're so fantastic, and they all deserve to get in. They were the first guys on the ballot, and those guys got in right away because they deserved it. Uh, obviously, they've been around since like the beginning of the show, some of them. But no, Mad Martin, you are getting in immediately in the second year ever. And yeah, the first time on the ballot. So <laughs> why why do I keep repeating myself? But uh, hey, I'm sure, I'm sure you enjoy hearing that at the very least. I did make a post here that uh, is a rant of mine. And it's been a rant for a long time because we're talking 2012. Me and my friend Paul Caniff, Paul Tunovers Caniff, who... Rumor has it he just maybe, possibly might be moving back to the Twin Cities again from uh, eventually, it was originally Seattle in 2013. He left the Twin Cities after the Vikings beat the Bears in a meaningless season, but we beat the Bears in the final game of the season. We just always win that game for whatever reason. And then, of course, the construction commenced immediately on tearing down the dome and digging into the ground, getting those pillars going for the, uh, the U.S. Bank Stadium in a very, very freezing winter. That was the coldest winter in a long time and coldest since. Um, but we had a rant earlier in 2012. We were looking at 4K TVs, just looking at them, of course, because back then they were a bit more expensive than they are today. Now they're extremely reasonable. It's like buying a 1080 back then where they had gotten more. That was when 1080 started to get reasonable, 1080p, of course. And we looked at the TV, and it's like we're we're watching San Francisco Green Bay, I think it was. It was San Francisco somebody. Anquan Bolden was on the... uh, 49ers. That might have been 2013 because I, I know Bolden was on the team. So it was 2013. We're looking at the uh, TV. Big, beautiful thing. And the video quality looked like garbage. Why did the video quality look like garbage? Well, because every bleeping channel was 720. Because it's not the TV's fault. It's because Fox, ESPN, ABC are still 720. In 2013, we looked at it and we're like, okay, when are they going to get that updated? Because 1999, 720 looked like, wow, you're looking through a window into uh, alternate reality. It was that good. And then 1080 improved on it, blah, blah, blah. Now, luckily, CBS and NBC have 1080i, but it's not as good as 1080p. And, of course, no 4K. No 4K. 
Yeah, TV, 4K TVs have been around since, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012. Yeah. Regularly. And they became much more reasonable the past couple of years, so it's easy to get them now. 4K. I'm holding a Note 8. This is this is, has 4K video quality. It's a 4K screen. I had a Note 5 4K. What is going on, Fox? ESPN. What's 720? What's going on, guys? Phones. Not TVs. Phones have 4K video quality. Phones. And these channels can't catch up with it? Why? Who out there? Raise your hand. Do you want to watch an NFL game in 4K quality with your 4K TV that you bought maybe two, three years ago, some of you? Do you want to watch 4K NFL football right now? Wouldn't that be beautiful to watch the Seahawks and Chiefs in 4K? How about the Vikings and Bears in 4K next week in U.S. Bank Stadium? Wouldn't that be better than 7 bleeping 20? Really? You know, I mean, so, yeah, I had to get that out. Uh, I can't even believe that we're still stuck in that, that level of technology. I don't know why these channels that get billions of dollars in ads every single year cannot upgrade a damn thing. I mean, some of them, again, didn't even upgrade to 1080. Fox didn't. ESPN didn't. Fox and ESPN cover sports more than anybody. CBS does sometimes, obviously, like, you know, Sundays for football and 11, sometimes. Um, obviously, hockey, and yeah, and hockey games look great in 1080, but 4K, whew, you know, so it's really ridiculous. Oh, but but uh, but Netflix and YouTube have 4K. Yeah, they do, but why can't regular channels have it? I'm getting tired of this crap, man. I didn't, you know, we should be able to, like, uh, get the quality we've paid for, but anyhow... Maybe that's why they're cheaper, because they figure, oh, well, only a couple things have it. Let's move on. Mark Carlson was, like, giving me a gold star for that statement, literally. So thank you, Mark. That is awesome of you to do. And, yeah, it's true, isn't it? Tony Coleman, Mark Carlson out of Iowa, Purple Mafia Hall of Famer. Tony Coleman, Purple Mafia Hall of Famer, says, I always thought Fox's HD coverage is awful. It is. It's 720. I mean, it's 1999, man. You know, I love 1999. I think a lot of things were better. Even though I'd rather go to 89, things are way better in 1989. Not technology, though. The technology is what's not good. But everything else, music, whatever. Yeah, music wasn't that great in 99, but it was good in 89. Okay, Tony Coleman says, you know, when I lived in the Twin Cities, it was worse for some reason. Now that I live back in South Dakota, it's not that bad. I have direct TV here at home, and it's way better than in TC. Than in the Twin Cities, that's what he means. I wonder if there's some regional thing. I think you're right, actually. And I do think DirecTV is actually a little bit better, too. I think the picture quality is better on, on that than freaking Comcast. Comcast costs up the wazoo. And, yeah, it looks like garbage. You know what's really annoying about Comcast, too? It's still got 60 hertz. You know, 60 hertz. 120 is what everything should be. 120 hertz. Anything above 120, it looks kind of weird. But it should be. God dang it, it should be. Eric Mustard, also from South Dakota, says they're still figuring out how to monetize higher definition. Once they do, you'll have the option to watch in UF HD for a price. So yeah, see, they just raise the price again, just like you pay more for HD than standard definition. Now, who the hell is going to get a cable box with standard definition on it at this point? Pay for all that cable TV with standard def. You'd get a headache looking at it on these TVs. Unless you're still stuck with the tube TV, which I think would be kind of weird. Um, he says, seriously, though, I sub suspect this has to do with available broadcast bandwidth. That's probably a big part of it. You know, you you, you do make a point, and I was kind of thinking that, too. It, it, it'd be tough. You know, I, I understand it's bigger, much bigger video quality. So, um, as far as I know, only Japan does regular broadcast higher than uh, 
1080p. It's been a while since I looked into this, though. So, interesting thoughts, Eric Mustard, and uh, Tony as well. Interesting. Yeah, you do bring up a point. I was thinking that, too, that there's the bandwidth issue would be tough. And that's why, obviously, YouTube, it's kind of, you, you're relying on your own bandwidth, you know, from your, uh, this thing right here that I'm putting my hand on. This is a, this is a cable modem I'm grabbing right now with, of course, built-in, uh, you know, wireless router inside of it. But, uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I get it. Yep, you, you uh, make plenty of sense on that comment there. So, totally got it there. <laughs> so, we will move forward. This was in the in-game thread. There was talk about, yes, Rudy, great play. Nice that we got these guys in the first half. And uh, Tony Coleman also in the sweater. Any uh, Vikings uh, Christmas sweater. Gotta love that. He was saying, Merry Christmas. Purple Mafia family. May Rudolph guide Santa's cousin slay to victory. And that was good. I love that. That was tough. Uh, that's a tough situation. Um, he says, what What the hell is a dink and dunk? What the hell is a dink and dunk? Well, it means short passes. Come on, Kurt. Kurt locally. Uh, Mark Carlson says, where's the start button on the slacking machine? <laughs> on the stacking machine. Pardon me, yeah. They were slacking, but I mean, I get what you mean there. Uh, glad that they woke up. Yeah, things got quiet, or I don't know. This whole thing is kind of weird. I know uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Peck out there helped me a bit, too, kind of showing me how to uh, adjust this. It, it adjusted, and then it's still kind of funky all over the place. Uh, uh, I should actually have gone back to that, because I know, yep, James Beck commented. He says, hey, Joey. Hi, Joey. This is on the uh, thread from the last episode release. Great episode, as usual. Uh, and a much-needed win. Regarding the issues with the in-game thread, Facebook defaults to most relevant when looking at post comments, whatever that means. Could this mean... Could could this be your problem with your comments getting messed up? And yeah, I think it does. I, I think that is what's going on. It puts mine first, though, which is kind of mean. Like, why, why are my comments going ahead of everybody else? I'm not that important. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. But no, yeah, it does look like it's in order now. It's weird, though, how it completely dies at a certain point, but that's okay, I guess. I think people did get quieter in the second half because we were enjoying the game more so than, uh, you know, getting mad or whatever and posting on here. I guess that's what it is. Yeah, Brett McCarthy out of South Dakota said, glad they woke up. So now we'll get to the post-game thread. I do not believe there were any uh, posts to the page, if I remember correctly. That's something that's easier to get to. And also, uh, there were no call-ins today. Maybe we'll hear from uh, Mad Martin in a week or so. We'll see what happens. Probably going into the playoffs. And I encourage any and all of you to do your playoff predictions. I'm going to probably post a thread about that as the playoffs start. And I understand if some of you would like to uh, <laughs> pick the Vikings to win the Super Bowl. That would be fun. So, nope, no new posts. And, of course, no calls either that I'm seeing. Let's see if something else just popped up at the last second. No, that was that's Netflix. Top suggestions for Joey. Well, thank you for making me feel special by saying top, suggest top suggestions for Joey. Thanks. Thanks for uh, suggesting. Yes. So the postgame thread, and it is accurately up here in order and all that good stuff. Curtis Pate says, well, Eagles won, LOL. What does this mean with our playoff run? And I was saying, well, winning in next week. Otherwise, if they win and we lose, we're done. Yep, and that would be the suckiest thing of all. Curtis Pate, he says... We uh, we got tough. We got a tough, tough game with the Bears, and yes, we do. Yes, we do, and that's uh, that's just the reality of it all. Brad McCarthy, South Dakota, says 
they came out they, they came alive in the second half. Dave Hickey out of Iowa says I've been very busy today preparing the house and stuff for our holiday celebrations tomorrow, so I wasn't able to watch the entire game. But the first half was ugly as usual. It seems as though Zimmer is never ready for a game. Don't get me wrong, I don't want him replaced or anything. But like Mark said, this is not a playoff team at all. You need to have your shit together from the get-go. And I think he means Mark from, uh, yeah, oh, oh yeah, of course, he means Mark from Iowa. Yep, he was frustrated. Yep, Mark Carlson, uh, Mark Carlson, pardon me. You need to have your shit together from the get-go, and for whatever reason, they don't. I'd like to see them, if they ever do, but these player and coaching staff, these players and coaching staffs are never on the same page through a whole game. Merry Christmas to all of you, and may God bless you all and your families through the holidays and throughout the coming year. And thank you very much. God bless you, Dick Hickey, as well. And great thoughts. Definitely Purple Mafia Hall of Fame there. He's, yep. <laughs> Cedric Paulding, Mississippi, says, heck of a second half. Skull. Hopefully Seattle loses two and we're moved to fifth place and get Dallas in the wild card. And that would be great. I think they're a more likely team to beat than the Chicago Bears. I think going to Soldier Field, regardless if we blow them right out of the water in U.S. Bank Stadium, I think we're in trouble. Yeah, here's an example of it getting weird again. Yeah, because see, Dave Hickey's post came up ahead, and then Marks is behind. I don't know. It's backwards. Oh, I see what happened. It puts the newest first. So I should have gone to the bottom and then scrolled up. It used to do it opposite way, which is stupid, but okay. Whatever. Mark from Iowa says this isn't a playoff team. Mark Carlson no way, no how. I thought maybe the end of end of the season the team would have settled down and become more consistent in their play, but you still don't know which Viking team is going to show up. I have very little faith in the Bears hunt next week. It's all on the line now. Skull Purple Mafia Nation, have a Merry Christmas, all of you. Mark from Iowa. Yep, thank you very much. And God bless you, Mark from Iowa. Awesome thoughts. Thank you guys very much. Uh, the passion throughout the week, always so Josh Mayer Henry, very passionate throughout the whole thing in the uh, in-game thread. Tony Coleman as well. Tony Coleman, Josh Mayer Henry, Brett McCarthy, also always very active. Eric Mostard with some interesting comments as well. He deserves a star. Uh, absolutely. Eric Mostard deserves a star. I believe he got the gold last week, if I remember correctly, which is which. Uh, he did get his first, maybe his second, I think. He, he may have gotten one kind of recently as well, maybe last year even, I forget. But uh, Eric Mostard is from South Dakota. So, are we going to pass out the awards for this show? I better do it right about now here, ending the uh, the show. Gold star for this episode? <laughs> mm. I'm going to give it to both Dave Hickey and Mark from and Mark Carlson are going to get the gold stars for this episode. It's going to be an Iowa heaven today for you guys. Thank you very much. Uh, Silver star, Eric Mostard and Mad Martin. Bronze star. Definitely uh, Tony Coleman and Tony Coleman, Josh Meir, Henry, and Brett McCarthy, all of you guys. Cedric Paulding deserves a, a bronze star, too. Obviously, always consistent, always on here, and always got something, you know, always got a nice take as well. I love Cedric Paulding. I know he deserves stars all the time as well. Um, thank you guys very much for being a part of this show, and I want to wish all of you a very Merry Christmas. I know most of you celebrate it, so I feel confident saying that. Uh, I'm not a political, I'm not a political correct guy. I'm a big guy. I'm a big backer of the words Merry Christmas. 
I'm not a fan of every channel all the time saying happy holidays, happy holidays, happy holidays. I think it's okay to say Merry Christmas. I do. It's also okay if you want to be, you know, inclusive, so to speak, to say Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. That way you can be inclusive without, you know, wiping out Christmas, you know, which I think it kind of is. Maybe you, you don't mean it when you're saying that, but it feels like it feels like they are sometimes. I don't know. Um, just don't be afraid. Don't You don't have to be too afraid to say something that you've been saying since you were four years old, you know. When we were four years old, we said it, and nobody got offended. And You know what I mean? And I mean adults said it when we were four years old, not just four-year-olds saying it, because nobody's going to get too offended at what a four-year-old says. Just had to get that out there. So to all of you out there, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. So there it is. <laughs> there it is. I'm not trying to kick anybody out of any type. I'm not trying to be uh, in, in, in um, not inclusive. I'm, I'm not trying to push people away. In any way, I'm just trying to say, hey, it is Christmas. Just say Merry Christmas. It's okay. You don't, nobody has to get offended by that. So God bless all of you. God bless you all, everyone. Just like Tiny Tim would say in uh, A Christmas Carol many, 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 many years ago <laughs> in the classic uh, movies and, of course, the book many, many, many years ago, A Christmas Carol. So with that said, again, I'm glad... I'm grateful, grateful as all heck that the temperature dipped significantly. Not that much, but enough that we're seeing snow flurries again and that, well, at least we're going to get a marble Christmas. You know, how I'm dreaming of a white Christmas and then there's, I'm dreaming, er, and then there's, well, I guess it's going to be a brown Christmas, this and that. This year, it looks like a marble Christmas. What's a marble Christmas? Well, think about it. Look at that steak you might have made, or you're going to make the, or that, that prime rib or whatever, royal rib roast you're going to make on Christmas Day. A lot of people are making that kind of beef. What's marbled beef look like? There's some white and there's some, some red, right? To say right now, there's some white and there's some brown, green, whatever the heck we call the grass this time of year. That's what a marble Christmas is, because it's partially melted from before, and now it's nice and frozen again, and a little bit of flurries added, a little bit of candy coating snow that came in the last evening if you're around in uh, the Twin Cities. So we'll see what happens. And in, in Iowa, it sounds like there's not much snow. And I'm, I feel for you, Mark and, and uh, Leland and, of course, Dave Hickey. I feel for you guys when it comes to that. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I like winter to be winter. I understand you don't want it to be 40 below. But 40 below happens, if it does happen, it's for like a day or two. For all the, oh, at least it's not 20 below when it's like 80, the temperature's 80 and the dew point 75. I don't want to hear at least it's not 20 below because the humidity tends to linger in the summer and uh, 20 below does not linger. Cold lingers during the months of winter because it's winter. But 20 below, <laughs> no. That happens like for very short stretches and then the temperature gets back into semi-reasonable range generally. So, yeah, that's always a silly argument. There I go, getting all weird and philosophical here. So I apologize. Philosophical and nonsensical as well. But I guess that's how uh, Purple Mafia is in the uh, closing minutes of the show. It's nice to get the Christmas season again and uh, have the traditional old Fezziwig Samuel Adams ready to go on Christmas Eve. That's fun. It's not the best beer in the world anymore. I used to really, I used to think it was the best beer there is, but then you see all these craft beers that you know over the years including celebration from uh sierra sierra nevada which is just legendary so but i i like to keep tradition going and that still is a very special beer for me just one little 12 ounce bottle called uh 
old Fezziwig in the uh, winter classic uh, Samuel Adams, the 12-pack. So, great stuff. All of you, God bless you. We'll talk to you next week, and we'll wish you a happy new year then. But until then, Merry Christmas and happy holidays. <laughs>